Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello, Milnitsen. Really amazing to be here. I'm just going to move this over here. Wonderful. Amazing. Who's excited for Christmas? You guys are all, uh, as Mark VP would say, you all look very serious. You don't. You all look wonderful. Um, but uh, we're going to try that again. Who's excited for Christmas? Okay. I, um, I, I don't actually know why I love Christmas so much, but I really, really enjoy it. I do also find it fascinating that we do Christmas trees and all, every single jingle bells and everything that we sing speaks about snow. We have no snow, but we sing them anyway, which is great. Um, but really excited to be here today. I promise, I know it is the last, is it the last Sunday of the year? Yeah, no, second last, second last Sunday of the year. Um, I know everyone's very excited to go home. I know many of you have got lunches planned this afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, Christmas Day, and it just keeps rolling like that. And then, then on the 29th, you're like, we need to go to gym on the 1st. And then Virgin Active gets an influx of people. And then by the 3rd, everyone's canceled their membership. Um, but, but it really is an amazing time of year. I love Christmas. It's my, my second Christmas being married, which is really exciting. Um, so now you've got to come on, somebody. Amen. Um, but uh, what's amazing about it, then you've got more family and new family, and it's all very intriguing and interesting and fun and wonderful. But I love Christmas for a whole load of reasons. One, my wife hates shopping. She absolutely hates it. She hates the mall. She hates going to the mall. She hates, it just isn't something that she enjoys doing. So I almost daily get a phone call on the way home. Babe, since you're out, do you think you could maybe... Like, oh, okay, I'll go. But, um, but I actually quite enjoy it. There's something about the shops at Christmas that is quite fun. You've just got to have an incredibly powerful willpower not to buy everything in the shop. Um, and then you see the, the poor father who spent way too much money on a dollhouse for his daughter, looking very angry as he pushes the, you can just see it in their faces, and people spending money. But actually, I love Christmas. I love the shopping. I love the trees. I love the, the carols. I love all of that stuff. I love the opportunity to be with family and to be with friends. And you're doing um, uh, your staff. We had an amazing staff year-end party with the church, which was lots of fun. And um, 35 odd people there with team and that, which I love all of that stuff. I love the sun and getting to swim and be on the beach. And that is what's beautiful about Cape Town. If you live in Ireland, unfortunately, there is no beach and there is no sun. Um, but, but they have a lovely house in Ireland. So if anyone wants free accommodation, chat to Jane afterwards. Um, but really amazing. I think for many people, Christmas means a whole load of different things. I know when I was a young kid, I loved it because I was an only child, and only children have very few but a couple of benefits, and one of them is Christmas because you get all the gifts, which is great. And I used to remember Christmas Day, I'd wake up at like almost four in the morning, which is ridiculous, and then I'd run downstairs, and my parents, were, um, we lived in, in Springs in Johannesburg, I know, people live there. Um, and they used to have a little leather chair that was a tiny little chair. And I used to go and sit on it for about two and a half hours waiting for my parents to come downstairs. And I could see all the presents. And my mom used to go absolutely overboard with gifts. I don't, I never, because really, at that age, you don't really actually know that you're even getting presents. Um, and I just loved those moments. And But for many people, Christmas means a whole load of different things. I know as I got a little bit older, my parents separated. And actually, Christmas became a different thing. It became uh, a time of actually 
flashy. We didn't do too much. And it, it was different. And, and now as I grow older, I get the opportunity to create my own traditions. And yesterday I was putting up fairy lights because my wife insisted we need some form of Christmas decor. So I put up fairy lights. Um, and actually, for many people, and especially in different phases of their lives, some, some it's a holiday, some it's a chance to be with family. For some people, it's a, an expensive time where you're buying lots of gifts and there's lots of expectations. For some people, it really is a, a time to travel where they don't get to spend a lot of time with family. For some people, Christmas can be an incredibly sad time. Actually, for some people, Christmas is really difficult. It's a challenging time. It's a time where things maybe didn't always, haven't gone well over these periods, and it becomes a tough time. But what I love about Christmas is that even though we have all the conglomerates that are selling us a million things, that are telling us to spend all our money, that are telling us to buy the gammon from Woolworths, and I would advise it because it is better, but... But actually, and it's 399 rand, which is also ridiculous, but, but actually, we've got all of these things pushed in our faces, but what I believe is that as the church, we can do Christmas the way it was meant to be. An opportunity for community to come together, an opportunity to do things a little bit differently, an opportunity to maybe on Christmas Day invite someone that you don't know very well to your home that isn't part of your family because you don't know that you, they don't have a Christmas story for Christmas Day. And all of a sudden, we get to break the mold and do things a little bit differently. And so over Christmas time, we, our prayer is that Christmas would not just be a holiday time. It would not just be a money time. That Christmas would be a God time. That there are opportunities for God to work. My prayer is that at our, we're doing Christmas Eve dinner, that there would be opportunities to share a little bit of Jesus with our family who actually largely don't know God. You see, all of a sudden, we can change the narrative. As believers in Christ, we get to change the narrative of what this holiday looks like. We get to change the story. We get to go, actually, these are my priorities for the holidays. These are my priorities for Christmas time. You don't have to do things the way they've always been done. Actually, you can choose to break through in an area and time that for many people, they need love for many people, these are challenging times. For lots of us, it's lots of fun. But for some people, it really is tough. And we get to play a role in making a God story in somebody else's life. So for me, I think as we titled the series, Jesus is King, and yes, if, you've, if you um, have been current, you'd know that that is a little bit of a replica of Kanye West's album that he released recently, Jesus is King, and, and I think, for, and, and largely the series doesn't have too much to do with that, but I truly believe that Christmas is about Jesus, who is on his throne, who is more glorious and more powerful than anyone could ever imagine. And I heard an amazing preacher, I won't take credit for it, make the statement that when Kanye released his album, he said, and, he, and obviously lots of believers have had lots of opinions and lots of thoughts, and he is a very interesting guy. But I just heard this preacher stand up and he said, church, do you believe that Jesus is powerful enough to break into Kanye West's story? It's quite a question. And then actually as believers, we have to go, yes. We believe that Jesus is bigger than celebrities, bigger than all of those things, bigger than pasts of brokenness. Why? Because Jesus is not king of South Africa, not king of your home. Yes, he's all of those things, but actually he is the king of the world. He is the one who sits on the glory seat. He is king. And over Christmas time, we have to declare that Jesus is king at our lunches at our church meetings at our moments with family i love isaiah 9 6 to 7 i love this scripture and it's a bit of the mantra of 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 christmas time it says this for to us a child is born 
To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For something, when I read that scripture, there's excitement that builds in my heart. Why? Because it is declaring that I serve the King of the world. I serve the one who is seated on the glory seat. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Maybe for you, Christmas is a challenging time. I want to tell you his government and peace, there is no end. There is no lack. There is no shortage for you in this time. Maybe your family is in disarray because of circumstances and situations, be it financial, be it emotional. I want to tell you that the government and peace of Jesus has no end. Now, I'm not removing the difficulty of the situation, but I am telling you that you can come before the king and say, I need your government. I need your peace. I need your grace. I need your kindness. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. You see, I believe that Christmas is all the things I've mentioned, but as believers in Christ, we have to remember that at the center of all of it is a Savior who was born in a manger in obscurity, as Gabe mentioned, so that we could have life. And so this morning, uh, I'd love to speak a little bit about, we know Christmas is a time for gifts. Some people love giving gifts. Some people, all people love receiving gifts. But actually, it's a time for gifts. But today, I want to talk to us a little bit about how to receive. A little bit about how to receive. How do you receive as a person? You know, I've, uh, I've given gifts in my life and I've had the opportunity. You know, some people don't receive gifts well. You know, you go up to them and you give them a gift, and particularly when we got married, we received some outlandish financial gifts from people to enable us to get married. And I remember at the time, often I would struggle with it. Like people would come to us and say, hey, we want to invest, we want to give you this amount of money. And I'd be like, no, that's, that's too much. That's actually, no, I, I'm self-sufficient. I can sort this out. And I believe that as people, often we are very bad at receiving. We don't know how to receive, and therefore, often we don't live in what God has given us because we don't know how to receive the gift of God. So we're going to read a portion of Scripture. It's in Luke 1. It's 26 to 55. It's a little bit longer, but it's the kind of beginning of the, the narrative of Jesus being born and entering into the world, and I love this portion of Scripture. It'll be on the screen behind me, or you can follow in your Bibles. It starts like this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, just to help us a little bit, I like to imagine what the Bible's saying, and I don't know about you, but I don't frequently get visited by angels. I don't know. It's not something that happens to me often. Maybe you all the time. You've got angels in your bedroom every time you walk in. You're like, how's it good to see you? And then you carry on with your day. But actually, I would imagine that this was a big moment for this young girl on the edge of getting married. She's like, we just need budget to pay for the wedding, and all of a sudden, she's getting angels. And she's like, and you can imagine, she's going, I wonder what this means. You know, an angel rocks up in your room, comes for a chat. I can imagine you're going, what does this mean? A little bit scared, but like a little bit excited as well, because you've heard about this. And so the angel carries on, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now you see, this moment is incredibly significant because Mary was a Jewish woman, and actually, if you read Isaiah 9, that is the direct link to Isaiah 9 of actually a promise that the Jewish people had been promised for generations. So you can imagine this young girl, she's a virgin, the angel's telling her, you're going to have a baby. She's like, cool, I don't know how that's going to work, which we get to in a moment. But actually, there's this moment where he is speaking to her and giving her the promise that the people have been waiting for, for generations. It's a lot for a young teenage girl to take in. It's like a very big moment. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's a valid question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the story goes on, and I won't read it, but basically what happens is Mary and Elizabeth meet after this moment, and the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps because of the Holy Spirit that's in Mary. And she says this amazing line in verse 45. She says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. You see, Mary did not simply hear what God was saying. She received what God was saying. Elizabeth did not simply hear what God was saying. She received and believed what God was saying. And so this morning, I want to speak to us a little bit about what it means to receive. But before we do that, I need you to turn to your neighbor. And I need you, in a truly Pentecostal voice, to go, receive! I think we did that okay. We did that okay, but you've got to do it with a hand as well. Receive! Okay? Okay, you guys have got it. We're done. Let's go. No, I'm joking. But actually, I think that receiving in the Bible is an incredibly powerful thing. Because I have so often read Scripture and gone, wow, that's incredible. You know, even our, you read of the Christmas narrative and Jesus and all of these things, and actually you read it and you go, wow, that's amazing. And you read how Jesus gives us this and blesses us in this way and does all of these things for us. But I think so many of us read it, we hear it, but we do not receive it, and therefore do not live in it. And so this morning, I want to make three really simple points. The first one is this, receive the blessing. You see, Christmas is a time where Jesus poured, where God in heaven poured his blessing on earth. After hundreds of years of silence, he gave to us the Savior that we needed. But I think so often we know the story, but we don't receive the blessing that comes with the story. I love that line, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You see, in this moment, God gave a gift to humanity in the person of Jesus. 
God gave a gift to humanity in the person of Jesus. And I believe that as believers in Christ, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, we have to learn to receive the gift of Christ. We need to learn to receive the blessing that he has poured upon us in these days. You see, Jesus didn't simply come to earth and die on a cross for the sake of a story. No, he came to earth and died on a cross so that humanity could receive salvation. So that humanity could be ripped out of darkness, out of separation from God. The worst state we could be in is separated from God. I heard an amazing narrative by C.S. Lewis. He said, imagine as believers, when we are separated from God, we live in sin. And he used this amazing illustration. He said, imagine that angry older gentleman at the end of your block who always shouts at your kids for playing with their soccer ball in the street. Now imagine that man's anger and frustration and hurt continue to grow and grow and grow and grow for all of eternity. That is the consequences of separation from God. You see, we live a very short time, and we just did a series on eternity. We live a very short time on this earth, but actually, because of sin, we were separated from the Father, and He was right to leave us in that state, because we ran from Him. But instead, in a moment called, we call Christmas, as we celebrate the moment, He sent His Son to die in our place so that we could receive the blessing of salvation. You see, the gift of salvation is a gift because we do nothing for it. But if we do not receive it, we do not live in the power of it. I think for so many of us, we have the opportunity, for many of you in this room, you have the gift of salvation. But over Christmas time, we have the opportunity to give the gift of salvation. You see, we don't do Christmas services because we want to spend more time at church on Christmas Day. I'm sure everybody wants to go and have lunch. But actually, we have Christmas services because we are trying to create opportunities for people to give the gift of salvation. Because is there any greater gift? Yes, a monetary gift is amazing. Yes, a Woolworths voucher is awesome. But actually, we have the opportunity to receive and give this salvation, forgiveness of our sins, right standing with the Father. You see, not only do we receive the gift of salvation through what Jesus did, but we receive the gift of redemption. So not only is the gap between us and God closed, but actually the Bible says that when the Father looks at us, when we have received the gift of redemption, He sees Jesus. You see, so many of us live in the space of consistent guilt and shame, but actually it says that we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. So that means that when God looks at us, even though we still mess up, we still make mistakes, actually, no, God, I'm receiving the redemption that you gave me. So when the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees the Savior of the world. You see, we have to receive these things if we want to walk in them. You see, that is why faith is so important. When Jesus says to his disciples, he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, he's not saying to them the specific size of specific faith that you have to have to achieve a good Christian life. No, he's saying that if you will just believe a little bit, I can do the rest. You see, there is a partnering in the gospel. There is a partnering in receiving. You see, when you get a gift, you have to take it. You have to open it. You have to experience it. Can you imagine if your family gave you amazing, they went and took and bought you t-shirts and pants and jeans and all sorts of things and they put it in a big hamper and they gave it to you and you got it and you opened it and you looked at it and you said, thank you so much. And then you left it there. No, you need to experience the gift. You wear it. You use it. It is the same thing 
with the gifts that Christ has, has given us. It's the same thing with the blessings that Jesus has given us. We are called to mix faith with God and receive and experience His blessing. You see, freedom is something that comes when we receive from Christ. You see, I believe that when we make a commitment to Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. But the Bible also teaches us, us that there is a renewing of your mind. There is a reforming. There is a reshaping. There is a, the old going away. You see, the old is gone, but the old is also going away because we are created and become more like Christ. And so on a daily basis, I have to receive freedom from Christ. You know, when the old things that used to grip and hold us and they come and they speak to us in the back of our heads and they go, why don't you just go back into that space? For some of you, you've, uh, or actually a great friend of mine, Michael Hiddenskog, many of you will know him, struggled for years and years with very bad depression. And because, and he won't mind me sharing this, but because I'm closer to him, I get to have the conversations of, hey, what is it like now living in freedom? And he'll go, it's unbelievable. But there are days when it comes creeping back. And it goes, I want to take a hold again. And, and what all he has to do, he doesn't have to get resaved. No, he has to go, Jesus, I received the freedom that you gave me. Jesus, I live in the freedom that you gave me. You see, I think we are often bad at receiving the gift that God gave us. And also, we need to receive the grace of God. I believe that we need the grace of God to live every day of our lives. And if you're wondering what is the grace of God, the grace of God is very simply God's unmerited favor in your life. God's unmerited favor. I think everyone in this room needs a little bit of unmerited favor. You need to go into board meetings and you need to receive unmerited favor. You need to go to interviews and receive unmerited favor. You need to move countries and receive unmerited favor. You need those things. Why? Because we want to impact the world. But all of a sudden, what we do is we go, thank you, Jesus, for my salvation. I'll white-knuckle the rest of it. I'll just push through. Instead of going, actually, God, your word says that I need to receive the blessing that you've given me. So I need your unmerited favor in this situation. Maybe some of you are going to Christmas lunches this year, and actually, it's a challenging time with family. Let's believe God to give you some unmerited favor. That you would walk into a room and relationships would be restored and family members who have run would come back and they would find life again and they would and actually the goodness of God would be at that table even if they aren't believers. Because I believe God can use you in that space. But we need a bit of the grace of God. You see, many of us are aware of these things, but we don't receive these things. And the only person that can receive the gifts of God in your life is you. See, I think we stand at church and we hear an amazing preacher like Gabe preach about them and tell victory stories in his own life and in the lives of people he knows. But, and then we go, yeah, that's incredible. That's amazing. I get to be part of a community that does that. No, you get to live a life that does that. You get to receive the gift of God every single day. That is why I, I spoke about it a few weeks ago here. But when Jesus says, abide in the vine, he says, abide with me. It means that daily I receive God's grace. That scripture that says, give us our daily bread. Yes, it is about provision, but largely it is about receiving God daily. It's about taking, now I'm not saying that you have to have 15 quiet times every day to receive what you need. If you want to do that, you can. But what you do need to do is be aware of the gift of God. Number one, receive the blessing. Number two, receive the king. And for me, this was a big one in my Christian walk, and I'll explain it a little bit more. But when I got, um, gave my life to Christ, a, um, a youth leader in a church in Malkwell Strand came to me, and they quoted this scripture to me in Romans 10.9. It says, and if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I remember going, yes, I want that salvation. And so I believed. I was like, yes, I confess with my mouth. I'm so excited for this moment. And then I remember I started my Christian journey and I didn't get it all right and I still don't get it all right. And I remember living this life and kind of figuring things out. And I remember one day a leader came to me and they said, you know, salvation isn't just about getting saved. Because this scripture says that if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. But what I love is this line. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You see, what it's saying is you receive the Savior of the world named Jesus, but you also receive the King of the world named Jesus. And so for many of us, we go, well, I don't actually understand what that, what that means. Well, I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, not only do you simply need the salvation, but you need the Lordship of Christ in your life. You need Him to take the throne of your life. And so for many of us, we might go, well, I'm not sure what that means. I want to say to you that for most of our lives, sin fundamentally is deciding to be God yourself. And so when we receive salvation, what we're doing is I, we're going, God, I'm going to get off. This is what repentance is. Repentance is fundamentally going, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm getting off the throne of my life, and I'm allowing you to sit on the throne of my life. And so for many of us, I think we receive the salvation. I need my fire insurance from hell. But we don't receive the lordship of God. And actually, we believe that he is a God who brings order. If you read Genesis 1 and you, and you just read the account, what you see is, yes, there are these amazing moments of birds and fish and, and light and all of these things. But actually, fundamentally, what you see is a God bringing order to chaos. He's bringing order to chaos. And I believe that when we allow the king to sit on the throne of our lives, order starts to come in the midst of our chaos. If you're a believer in relationship with Christ and you are suffering from, now I'm not saying life happens and things happen in moments and sometimes chaos comes and we process through those things. But if you are finding that there is perpetual chaos in your world, you probably need to ask yourself the question, is Jesus on the throne of my life? Is he the one making the decisions? Is he the one who's leading me? You see, number one, get off the throne of your own life. Number two, how do you live in the lordship of God? Give him control. You know what's so challenging about giving Christ control? Is sometimes the decision that he makes is not the decision you want to make. See, that's a tough one. Because so often we go, God, I really want to do this. Please say yes. And then he says no. <laughs> and you go, but you say, what does that? You said yes, eh? Yes. And then we, and immediately what we're doing is we're transplanting him off and us onto the throne of our lives. You see, sometimes the yes from God will come, but sometimes the no from God will come. And actually, we have to give him control. He says, allow him to make the decisions that determine your future. You see, that is what lordship is. When a king sits on a throne of a nation, even when a, a, our modern day equivalent would be the president of our nation, you see, the challenge of, of the reality of that seat is that the decisions that that person makes will lead us into the future that we need to walk into as a nation. And the exact same thing happens when we place Christ on the throne of our lives, we start to walk into the future that he ordained for us, rather than the future that we decided to figure out for ourselves. And fourthly, I believe that we need to understand and believe in our hearts that his ways are much bigger and much better than our ways. You see, when we don't believe that, we struggle to give over control. When we believe that we can do it better than he can do it, we struggle to give over control. 
And we need a revelation of the bigness and the goodness and the kindness of Jesus so that we can allow him to take the wheel. I know it's a very strange analogy, that take the wheel thing, because don't do that in your car. Jesus, you do it. Ah, no, don't do that. Sorry, my brain ran away with me there. But, but actually, when we allow him to have control, now, yes, you have to do your daily life. No one is going to shower for you. You have to go and shower. You know, those are normal things. It's very helpful, practical thought. But actually, when we allow God in the decisions and the processes, we go, God, I want you on the throne of my life. We, re- we are choosing, as believers in Christ, to receive the King of glory. And then we get the grace. We get the favor. We get the goodness. We get the opportunities. We get the unmerited opportunities in our lives. You see, over family, over finances, over work, over our thought lives, we can put Christ on the throne of those areas of our lives. So I've seen so often when I've met with young guys and they're struggling with different things, and I just say to them, hey, who's the boss in that area of your life? Well, me. Let's, let's just receive Christ as king in that area. And all of a sudden, he brings the order that is needed. Finances are such a big one. It's particularly over this time when there's pressure to spend money and have big lunches and do all of these things. Actually, sometimes you have to go, God, we need your lordship. I need your, and so my wife and I this year have made a decision. We've spoken to all of our adult family members, and we've said to them, guys, actually this year we can't do gifts because we cannot financially afford to do that. Now, we don't do that every year. Last year we did gifts for everyone because we were able to do that, and we had the space to do that, and sometimes I believe you've got to stretch yourself to do that, to show generosity, but actually for us this year, we've decided that actually there was one person we gave a large gift to in the family, and then we've said, guys, actually... We're not going to do that. And we're not trying to be stingy. We're going, God, what's the best scenario for us right now so that we can live in your order? That we can live in your grace. That we can live in your favor. And actually, we've made that decision. Not just on our own. We didn't just go, going, oh, we're not giving anyone presents this year. No. We went, God, what's the decision here? And so we chose to do that larger gift and not do all the little ones that everyone throws away anyway. And so for us, there's a decision where we are making there and going, God, we want you to be Lord over our finances, so we're going to make this difficult decision. We're going to give generously here, and all of a sudden, you'll see the space of heaven start to come in your life. Number one, receive the blessing. Number two, receive the king. And number three, receive the kingdom. And for me, this is such a powerful one because with a king comes a kingdom. With a king comes a way of doing life. And I believe that as believers, we need to live in the way of Jesus. In the ways of Jesus. I love this line. It says, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You see, what I love about that scripture is actually it's saying that he will establish it. So it's not us establishing the kingdom of God, it's God establishing the kingdom of God, and we receive that kingdom in our lives. You see, to receive Christ's kingdom is to receive a new way of doing life. It's a new way of doing life, and over Christmas, I think it's such a helpful thing, because I think we all wait for New Year, but actually, to, to walk in the ways of Jesus is a daily journey. It's not a journey that you decide on New Year's Day, I'm going to do this stuff well. Actually, no. What we do is we allow the kingdom of God, the ways of Jesus, to envelop our lives every day. And we allow that to become normal. So actually on the 22nd of December, when you're tired and it's been a big year, you can choose to step more into the ways of Jesus. Why? Because number one, it's a gift from God. You simply need to receive the blessing. Number two, He does the work. You don't. 
You simply make yourself available, get off the throne and let him get on it. And you start to walk in his kingdom. See, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there's a famous sermon that Jesus preaches. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it just is this amazing moment where Jesus starts to lay out what his kingdom looks like. You see, if you live in South Africa, you live under a set of laws that you have to do things a certain way. You live under the kingdom of South Africa, the way that South Africa does things, which means that on the R27, as much as you'd like to, you can't go more than 70 kilometers an hour. Why? Because that's the way it works. But then my wife and I, and actually, if you, you drive, and the way we drive, and the places we go to, and we do things a certain way, and then all of a sudden, my wife and I arrive in, and actually in Cape Town, if you can find a parking, you park, and then that's the way it works, and, and you pay, we pay before, you know, you park and you pay. In, in Scotland, you go and you pay at a separate station somewhere very far away, all of a sudden, you're in a new country, things work differently. We got like 17,000 traffic fines because, not because we weren't, not because we were, yeah, it was ridiculous, but it just felt like that to me. But it wasn't because we were doing anything we wouldn't normally do, just because the laws were different. The way of doing things was different. And so we arrived in that space and, and we learned the hard way. But actually, if we were there for a while, we would be living under a different set of ways and actually we would start to live in that way. Why? Because you want to be fruitful. You want to live well in that space. It's the same thing when we come into the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, we start to live by a different set of ways. See, Jesus says this amazing thing. The world we live in says forgiveness, get your own back. If someone hurts you, get your own back. You know what Jesus says? Forgive 70 times 7. He wasn't trying to give you an exact number of times you have to forgive. He was saying do it over and over and over and over and over again. No matter how often things happen, no matter how often you get hurt. Generosity, the world says only give when you have extra. Jesus says give all the time. It's quite a challenging thing, even if you don't have extra, even if it hurts. It's a different way of doing life. Hospitality, the world says only open your doors to the people you like or the people you know or the people you enjoy being with. Actually, the Bible says hospitality is to welcome the stranger. Quite a challenging thing over Christmas time to go, God, okay, what does that look like for us? How do we welcome the stranger? How do we be hospitable in the way that Jesus was hospitable? You see, all of a sudden what happens is we are not simply receiving our own way of doing things. We are receiving the kingdom of God in our lives. We're receiving the king and we're receiving his kingdom. And so this morning as we speak on this topic of Jesus as King, I pray that very simply as you've heard this and as you've heard me speak around receiving, my prayer is that you would learn just from this moment and as you go into your week that you would slowly but surely be more open to, more willing to receive the blessing that God has got for you. For many of us, we think we have to white knuckle it through life. I think we have to make it on our own. We come as South Africa, we are a make, it, make a plan country. We are the people who hustle through and we get things done and we make it happen. But actually, the gospel says something different. The gospel says that Jesus is your provider. Jesus is the one who makes a way for you. Jesus is the one who opens up the doors that you need to walk in. And so for us, there's a change in the way that we do things. There's a change in going, Jesus, okay, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to stop doing it in my own strength and start trusting you. Start hearing your voice. Start doing what you've called me to do. Receiving your blessing. Receiving your lordship. Receiving your kingdom ways. And all of a sudden, we start to live a life that is filled with grace, 
and filled with glory. Can I pray for us? I just love it if we could do something a bit different. Can you just stretch out your hands like this? We're going to stay seated. And the reason we do this is not because there's anything particularly powerful in stretching out your hands. We do this because it's a posture of receiving. It's going, okay, God, I'm opening my hands to you. And so, Father, this morning we open our hands to you, King Jesus, and we say, Lord, would you come and work in our lives? We ask you, Father, this morning that you would teach us how to receive from you. That you would teach us how to receive the spiritual blessings that you have placed in our lives, God. I even pray right now, Father, where you've got gifts for people over this Christmas time, whether it be emotional, whether it be financial, whatever it might be, God, I pray that you would open their hearts to receive what you've got for them, God. And I pray, Father, the same way that Mary responded, that response of, yes, God, I pray that that response would be in our hearts, Jesus. That you came to her, angel of God, and you spoke to her, and her response could have been many. Her response could have been no. Her response could have been out of fear, but her response was one of faith and belief, God. And I pray for every person in this room that we would have the posture in our hearts to respond with, yes, God, I believe you. That, Father, we would have the faith in our hearts to believe that there will be a fulfillment of what you have spoken. I pray over every heart in this room, God, that there would be a receiving of the blessing of God, the grace and salvation and redemption and goodness of the Father. I thank you, Jesus, that there would be a receiving of the kingship of God, that you would bring your order, King Jesus, that you would bring your life, that you would bring your grace, King Jesus. And then, Father, I pray that for every person in this room, that they would receive your kingdom ways, God, that their lives would look different to the lives of this world, and they would look more and more like you, King Jesus. In your wonderful name, God. Amen. Thanks so much, Tyler. Just before we land, uh, just the whole way through, as Tyler was speaking, I couldn't get out. I'm a dad of, of two, and I can't get out of my head. A lot of my stories are to do with my kids, because uh, that's the reality I live in. Uh, when our little boy was born this year, little Benjamin, and we were told, that to ease the, the transition of uh, the older kid receiving a new baby brother and that the potential of jealousy and her whole world I've turned upside down was to, to say, actually, Benjamin, the newborn, has given you a gift and to have a gift ready for the, the, the new baby, for, for Olivia, our two-and-a-half-year-old. And I remember, the, I saw the video on, the, as, as Facebook timeline does, you know, to help you remember these moments. I had to watch the video of uh, our little girl meeting her baby brother for the first time. And it was incredible, such a sweet little moment. And then we said, Olivia, here's a present from Benji for you. And she got it and I said, okay, do you want to open it? She said, no. And we were like, Oh, wow, we've been telling you for a long time, preparing. you're going to get a present when the baby arrives, you're going to get a present. She got it, do you want to open it? No. And I kid you not, but for the next three or four weeks, she walks around with an, a wrapped up present. She took it everywhere we went. In the car, she'll take, I want the present, open it. I'm like, we spent all that money, we could have put nothing in there. <laughs> but she dragged this gift around with her, and it was quite a novel thing, always having, we're packing this car, and get the present. It's like, why are we caring? We have to get the present because she'll freak out if the present wasn't there, but she didn't want to unwrap it. And as Tyler was speaking, I think so often we can even, we can be similar like that. We can see that, that's childish, that's silly, Olivia, when she matures, hey, now I get a present, unwrap it quickly. But in terms of our faith, we've got a father who's generous, who's wanting to give us gifts, who's wanting us to walk in a different reality than we walk in. We walk in a peace that we don't know, but many of us are walking around with the knowledge of it, but not walking in the experience because we're not wanting to receive it.
and open it. And as Titus spoke about receiving the blessing, receiving the king, receiving the kingdom, this is not a message for somebody else. Let me tell you, sir, man, this is a message for you. This is a message for me. Receive it means open it. Not just mentally, yes, give a nod towards it. Christmas is a time where we often, so many people give their nod toward Jesus. They're cool. No, 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 no. This is not a time to mentally nod towards the king. This is a time to open the gift and receive the full blessing. I pray that you and I would in this moment, I even felt the word, there's delayed obedience here. Think, what I mean by delayed obedience, things that you know you should do, things that, conversations you know you should have, forgiveness you know you should extend, but you're going, I'll get to it another day. You know what, that's next year's problem. Can I tell you, I, I really believe that there's no such thing as delayed obedience. Obedience means responding when he speaks. So I know Titus prayed, but I strongly just felt that picture for us as a people, for myself, to unwrap that gift, to unwrap. And sometimes the gift is us actually, the gift of being able to respond in obedience and trusting him. Father, I pray right now for every single one of us, I pray right now for the gifts that we are carrying around, Right now, we're crying out for peace. I want joy. I want hope. I want life. I want order in my finance. I want order in my relationships. But we're carrying, and, and, and we think it's far off, but it's actually here. Jesus, who's come close and saying, I have everything you need for life and godliness. Will you open that gift and walk in it? I pray even people right here who are battling secret addictions and made many promises to stop. I pray today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for making a decision to unwrap the gift of freedom, unwrap the gift of self-control, unwrap the gift of confession, of obedience. I pray, Father, we would not be people who walk around for weeks, for months, for years, holding on to this gift, but never walking in this power. For that is what religion is. The people who speak about God, but deny His power. So today, we don't just speak about it, we don't just nod towards you, we embrace it and say, Jesus, you are king, we step off the throne, we receive the blessing. We receive the king, and now we walk in it by receiving your kingdom. I thank you for this gift that you've given us today. Would we respond to it the way we should? I pray this for every single heart here in Jesus' name. Amen.